Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we wanna make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you wanna speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. We're in Psalm 78 and we are talking about the importance of the next generation. And so look, let's... uh, There's 72 verses in here, so we're not going to do a verse-by-verse Bible study on Psalm 78, but I am going to take the first eight verses because uh, this is written by King David's worship leader. His name was Asaph, and so he wrote this as like a psalm of instruction. We've been talking about different psalms in here. There's some that are about praise. This one, he's instructing us, and and he's going to take these 72 verses, and and he's going to start instructing the people about how they are to raise up the next generation. So the first eight verses are kind of like the introduction to the psalm. So we're going to read the first eight verses. It says, listen, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children, that the generation to come might know even the children yet to be born that they may arise and tell them to their children that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not prepare its heart and whose spirit was not faithful to God. So again, this is like the introduction to the psalm. 
And he's going to go from here, and he's going to start going through a history lesson. And we know learning history is good because what's so true about us is we can become forgetful. And the thing that Asaph is telling us that we should never forget are the works that God has done for our lives or with our lives or even through our lives. And so we've got to remember those things and pass them on to the next generation. What is so sobering to me, and, and you really may have never thought about this, but Christianity, our faith in God as we know it right now, is only one generation away from becoming extinct. Think about it. If the faith that you love and and you have cultivated in your life, if we've never passed it on to the next generation, we could be the last generation that really follows Christ. We know that God is big, but I believe what Psalm 78 is about is not just, hey, Take an opportunity to pass on your faith to the next generation. I believe it's a mandate. I believe what what Asaph is saying is there is a built-in responsibility that we have in order to pass this faith on to the next generation. I was reading some sobering stats, and and I'm not a big stat guy, but there are some that when I read it, it just kind of shocks me. And I was reading these stats, and... and, uh, this article that I was reading was saying that they had compared some numbers from uh, changes in our culture from 1963. So when it comes to the Bible, the Bible looks at a generation roughly around 40 years. So we're talking a generation ago, a little bit over a generation ago, 1963. These statistics say that now in our culture, compared to 1963, violent crime has increased by over 500% from what it was in 1963. Here's another one. Divorce has increased by 400%. And I know some of you in this room have experienced this and and even with your families or maybe with your own marriages. And it's just a, a new normal that in the 60s wasn't that normal. I even think going back to the violent crime thing, It's like even in the 80s, we're not talking like back in the 60s, like even in the 80s, like when we went to high school, we didn't think about the reality that there could be a mass shooting on our campus. I mean, it just didn't even cross our minds. And now it's pretty normal and that all these kids are going to school with this new reality kind of shaping how they're handling their lives. Uh, Here's another one. Illegitimate births have increased by 400%. That is babies being born outside of a marriage between a man and a woman. And this one's probably uh, the most disheartening, that teenage suicide has increased by 200%. And I I was just reading an article. This is like probably two months ago. This young boy in St. Louis, uh, 10 years old, uh, that took his life. I, I, I mean, I just, I, I know like adults have these toxic thoughts, but a 10-year-old little boy, I'm just thinking like, how have we shifted in our culture that a 10-year-old's perspective on life is that I'm better off dead and where, where he's getting these ideas? 
And, and the reason I, I want to say these stats and, and share how shocking these are is because we're, we have an uphill battle here. Like the culture has changed so much in one generation that if we stay on this trajectory and you fast forward another 40 years, that is pretty crazy to think about the things that could be happening that could be adding to the just deterioration of society as we know it. And here this responsibility that we have that God is giving us saying, hey, the faith that you've enjoyed, the relationship with God that you've been able to be introduced to, cultivate that not only for your own life and for your own uh, blessing and for your own good, but cultivate it for the generation that's to come. Now, this message isn't just for dads. I don't want you guys that aren't parents like tune out and say, this isn't apply to me. Because when it's talking about raising up the next generation, it doesn't matter if you're a mom, a dad, a grandma, a grandpa, an uncle, or an aunt, an older sibling. I don't care if you're a human being without any titles at all. The responsibility of the next generation is on you. It's on me. It's on all of us collectively together. And even in the Old Testament, when God was establishing the law through Moses, I mean, he takes him through law after law, and it always comes back to this big idea, like, I want to do these amazing, wonderful, miracle things in you so that you can show off my amazing, wonderful characteristics to your kids so they'll never forget me. Check out what God does in the early law in Exodus. This is what he says. So he just is about ready to, to get them out of Egypt. He, he's setting them free. He's delivering them. And he's saying, Here, here's what I want you to do. In your deliverance, in the fact that you're being set free from slavery, from bondage, he says, on that day, tell your children. When, when you celebrate this kind of anniversary of your release, he says, do this because of what the Lord did for us when we left Egypt. In other words, we don't ever want to forget the ways that God has moved in our past. And let's be honest, it's easy to forget those moments, isn't it? Like, I, as I get older, it's harder and harder to remember anything, all right? That's why I love just like, you know, if I see a guy and I can't remember his name, that's why I love saying, hey, bro. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out the ladies. I'm like, I still don't have a name yet. Like, hey, sister. It just doesn't have the same stickiness. Um, but I'm like, hey. Uh, but, but here's what I've learned in our brokenness that that we forget the things that we ought to remember, however we remember the things we ought to forget. Like some of those things that we ought to forget like play in our minds like broken record players. And we're like, why do I remember that? And that just like is such 
toxic stuff for me, but I can't remember the goodness of God when I really need to remember the goodness of God. So God says to Moses and to the Israelites, we are going to create some festivals. We're going to create some parties so that every year you're going to circle this on the calendar so that you'll never forget my miracles. So you'll never forget the way I delivered you in all of your captivity. And then in Deuteronomy, check these scriptures out. They kind of echo the same thing. It says, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live and teach them to your children and to their children after them. Check out what it says in Deuteronomy 11. It says, teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're away and when you're resting and when you're working. In other words, what God's word is telling us is no matter what the circumstance, like use it as an opportunity to share the mighty deeds of God with your kids because they're not always going to be kids. Eventually, you're going to get older and they're going to be running the show and they need to know the awesomeness and the power of God because they're going to go through difficulties too and they are going to need to know that they, ha- they can have the same confidence in God that you've had. Psalmists uh, in the book of Psalms kind of echo this as well. So not just in the law, but now the psalmists are going, hey, there's, there's merit to remembering the things of God so we can pass them on to the next generation. Psalm 71, it says, now that I am old and my hair is gray, do not abandon me, O God. Be with me while I proclaim your power and might to all generations to come. Love that. And the next one, Psalm 102, it says, write down for the coming generation what the Lord has done so that people not yet born will praise him. See, as I read scriptures like this, and I understand that God is saying there's a mandate on our lives to be able to set up the next generation because the, the difficulties that you're going through right now, that God is meeting you, if the trajectory stays the same, can you imagine the difficulties our kids, and when I say our kids, I'm not just talking about the kids that have your DNA. We're talking about all of the children of this world and of this planet, what they're going to have to endure. And so we have to instill in them that God is powerful, that he is mighty, and that he is greater than any difficulty they will face, and he is stronger than any problem that will ever come into their life. Check this out in, in Ephesians chapter 6. Now, this is, this is a, a call to dads, but I think it's even broader than that. This is a call to all of us that have a responsibility to teach our kids. It says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. And this is the Amplified Bible. I like this. It says, do, what it means by that, dads, listen. Humans, listen. Do not exasperate them to the point of resentment with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive, nor by showing favoritism or indifference to any of them, but bring them up. Love that. Tenderly, with loving kindness in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now here's 
as a church, what I love is that we, for those of you that are parenting your kids, we have the, the amazing ability to be in your corner. And, and you've heard this saying, you've heard this expression before I know that it takes a village to raise a child. You've heard that, right? Well, as a church community, if you have little ones, we want to help you be that village. And I've got to tell you, those of you that, that are in the church right now and say, well, I, I don't have kids. Well, man, I, I'm telling you, as I, as I think about the importance of, of having adults that have faith in a child's life, I, I'm reminded of this research assignment that the Fuller Youth Institute did years back. So what, what they started seeing in the 90s is they started seeing a trend with high school kids, when they graduated high school, they left their faith. So in other words, they, they went to church, they were involved in youth group, and then they graduated, and somehow they never made it back to church. They just stopped going to church. And so the Fuller Youth Institute just were like, we gotta figure out like what is going on because in the 90s, like youth groups were rocking, it was amazing. I mean, I had a youth ministry in the 90s. I mean, we were taking 400 high school students up to Hume Lake. I mean, it was, it was like revival status. But these kids graduated high school and boop, they stopped going to church. Well, as they started digging into like the factors and the common denominators of the kids that actually stuck with their faith, after high school was over, they started seeing a common trend. That the kids that kept going to church, the kids that actively stayed involved in church, all had something in common. And that was, in addition to their parents that would bring them to church, they had on average up to five additional adults that were pouring into their life, specifically in their faith in Christ. Think about that for a second. So if mom and dad weren't enough, then the church became those extra five people, youth pastors, other mentors in the church, teachers. As I look back at my own journey of faith, and, and I, I didn't really fully surrender my life to Christ until I was in college, but I made a decision for Christ as a freshman in high school at Hume Lake. And as I look back at my own life, I just think of certain key individuals besides my parents because I wasn't raised in the church. And so like we, we were that family that went to mass on Christmas and Easter. I call those people creasters, right? Um, but we were creasters and we were that average, typical American family went to mass on Christmas and Easter. But there was a tragedy in my family. My older sister died unexpectedly. And my family really didn't have faith in their life. And I will never forget the Hallam family that lived down the street because they rallied around my mom and dad and even us as kids. It was my older sister. And they showed us Christ. They sat with my mom and dad and cried with them and just were there for them. And after that, they invited us to their church. And it was through that church that, that I realize that maybe I need to, you know, kind of look into this more. Everyone keeps saying that my sister's in heaven. Maybe I need to investigate this a little more. And somebody invited me to this other church, and that's when I was invited to Hume Lake. And my parents were like, hey, we can't afford you to go to Hume Lake, but the church said we have some fundraisers. And so I would go down the street to the Hallam family, the same family that helped my family as they were going through 
uh, as we were going through this loss, and, and they said, Jimmy, they called me Jimmy. They still call me Jimmy. That's how I know how I know somebody. When I was little, they still call me Jimmy. Um, they said, Jimmy, whatever it takes to send you to camp, we want to help you. And so they would give me 100 bucks, and I'd come home and tell my parents, I'm going to Hume Lake. And my third trip to Hume Lake is where I found Christ, and I accepted Christ at that camp. I think of my youth pastor back then, Eric Malama. Never forget that guy. He was in my corner, and my parents were going through a, a bad spill when I was in middle school, and, and he was there. I, I got on the phone with him, and I just said, I, I, I don't know how I feel about this, and there's some perks with my parents being separated, and, and my mom's kind of you know, doing some nice stuff, and my dad's doing nice stuff, but I don't like my mom and dad not being together, and he would pray with me, and he would tell me it's going to be okay. Your kids need people like the Hallams in their life. Your, your kids need people like Eric Malama in their life. And, and I'm so excited, and, and I don't know if I'm letting the cat out of the bag, but I, I even met with Don and Katie Trimble, who have been such a blessing to our new church. And, and we had a meeting last week, and I said, I would really be honored if you guys help us with our youth on a, on a bigger scale and they said we'd be honored to. And so they're, they're going to step into the space. Katie's here at this service. And, and Dawn is somewhere on the road uh, with the other Dons. I don't know. They're in Oregon. I don't know. They're Colorado today. So, but I, I just got to tell you that not only is it important for you if you have kids to, to find those five faith-filled adults for their life to, to help them to, to get that common denominator to help their faith last but for us as a church it's a it's a rallying cry it's a rallying cry for all of us saying how can we become one of those five for somebody else here because we are a village and, and how what what capacity could we be that person Tara and I were that person I, I will never forget the first time that Tara invited me to help her with her first grade class, she was like, you want to help? I was like, I don't know about the Bible. Like, you don't want me to help you. I was, I was just coming into a stronger faith, and, and I, I had just, like, left the party scene, and, and I think I, I had only probably been sober for a couple of weeks, and, uh, and I hadn't smoked any pot for a while, and, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. She goes, no, just come in and help me, and I got in there. And I started teaching these first graders, and she's had this curriculum. And uh, remember Tonka trucks? Like, I grew up with Tonka trucks. I was a Tonka truck generation. And I got down to these first graders, like, yeah, guys, like, God's like the Tonka truck. And, and I was doing all of this stuff. And Tara's like, what? What happened to you? And I go, I don't know. I just loved it. But let me tell you, something broke in me that day in a good way. I had a breakthrough for my own journey with God, that, that helping these little kids, it just, it changed me. Like, not that Jesus wasn't already changing me. Jesus was already changing me. But after the class, when I had these kids looking up to me, going, Teacher Jim, can you pray for my mommy? And I'm like, wow, I can never smoke pot again. I mean, I can never party again. They're, they, they're calling me Teacher Jim like, and now it's not just about my faith. <laughs> it's about their faith. So, so I learned that, that not only are you helping a generation, 
but actually by you stepping in and, and helping, that you're actually helping elevate your own faith to the next level with that extra built-in layer of accountability. Listen to what it says in, first, in 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. I don't know. Oh, great job, Jeremiah. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. You know, we're not talking about just like, like kids here. We're, there are adults in here that are new to faith that, that because we've been walking with the Lord for some time, it's like what Paul is calling us to do is he's saying, you that have been walking with the Lord for a while, like, Take it as a responsibility. There, there are newbies that are just stepping into a relationship with Christ that needs somebody to come alongside them and hold them by the hand and show them what it looks like to walk with God. They, they need somebody showing them what verses mean, and, and they need somebody being able to pray with them through you know, how they used to handle a difficult moment, say, no, you don't do that stuff. You, you lean into God now. We need these people in our lives. This is why... Like, I, we don't do children's ministry. I shouldn't say I do it. My wife still does it, but I, do, I don't do it. But I, I have a passion for men's ministry. Because as I have been in the church now for almost 30 years, I just see dudes that are struggling. Dudes that are holding up their families that are, like, trying to figure out marriage space and raising kids space and, and career space and, and trying to, like, juggle all these different things, feeling like they are on on an island by themselves. And these guys can smile in your face, but they, you don't know, they are just going through it. And, and some guys just feel all alone, like nobody is there for them. Like they're there for everybody else, but nobody's there for them. And I've learned that, man, I need to pour into men because men need battle buddies. They, they need corner guys because at any given moment, they might be punched in the gut and not expect, and they just need just to know there's another guy that is in their life that's, that's ready to hold them up. And so I have a passion for men's ministry. And, and so I circle up guys all the time and, uh, and we just love it. The, the other space that I really have a passion for is young adults. And, and I think I really have a passion for that because when I was stepping into a full surrendered relationship with Christ, I realized that for five years of my like decision to follow Christ, I really had nobody helping me know how to walk with God. Like I knew the Bible, I knew that Jesus loved me, but I didn't know what, how to translate that to just daily living. How do you live for God? And so when I got into a church community in Bakersfield and I started going to this young adults group, we started doing things like faith walks where we'd get in a huddle and we're like, okay, we're gonna pray and, and we're gonna hear from God and we're just going to go out and do faith walk and, and and we would be praying and God we felt like God would say go to a park and there's going to be a guy with a red shirt and I'm like what is this how it really works so we'd pray and I'm like the new guy so I'm like okay and we're like we're going to a park and there's a guy with a red shirt and, and so we went to a park and there's a guy with a red shirt and we went to him and like hey we were praying at church and we felt God tell us to come and talk to you and pray with you the guy started bawling he's like I know God sent you to me I'm like, this really works, man. I go, 
five years. I, I didn't know this existed. Like, God is real. I got so on fire. And so what now, I, I, I want to be that for these young adults that are in the space. They're, they're experiencing all this new stuff, and they got all these new extra temptations. And so um, we, you know, part of the vision of starting this church is I told Terry, I go, I, I know our kids are in that space now. Our kids are all the young adults. They're the YA. I told Terry, I go, now we're the OA. We're the old adults, you know. But we circled them up on Friday night at, at Craig and Pam's house, and 16 of them showed up. And we got to pour our lives into these kids. And they're not really kids, they're adults. But I was like, I know the space you're in, and I just want to help be that extra person in your life to show you how to walk with God. And and I'm telling you, some of you are like, how do, we, how do I even do that? How, how do I be that person? Let me give you another Deuteronomy verse before we jump into these PowerPoints here. It, it says this in Deuteronomy 6. It says, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And then look at that word. It says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down. And when you get I love that. It says, impress them. So the question is, how do you live an impressive faith that you can actually pass it on and give it to the next generation? And just write these down. I've got three for you based upon Psalm 78. Number one, that's teaching the works of God. So if you want to pass on impressive faith, you got to teach him the works of God. This is where words are important and things that you share are important. But what's more Important than words are your works. Because here's what I've learned. Values are caught more than they're taught. You, you can say whatever you want to your kids. You can say whatever you want to the youth group. But if, if it's not real for you, if you're not actively participating in that for you, then more than likely it's not going to land on them. I've learned that, that values are caught more than taught, that, that habits are more hereditary than anything else. This is why, as, as a parent, I became very aware of this when my kids were little. And you know, there's things in the Bible that the Bible doesn't necessarily say, hey, you, you can't do this, you can't do that. But I just started thinking about, like, I want to live in such a way that my, my kids will live in the same way. In other words... I want my kids to have a certain kind of faith in God. And if, and if I want that to happen, I've got to live that faith in God myself because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass on what is actually coming from my own life. And, and it's true. That, that's what legacy really is if you think about it. And we all leave a legacy. Legacy isn't necessarily positive. Some of us have parents that left a legacy, but it was a negative one. One that we maybe are still hurting over. Maybe a day like Father's Day stings a little bit going, I, I really don't like days like this because it, it brings up a bunch of bad memories. And, and the reality is we all are leaving a legacy. It's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever looked out some days and, and you could see in the sky where a plane has went by. They, they call them contrails. If you're a conspiracy theorist, you'll call them a chemtrail. All right, but that's a different sermon. But you can, I mean... You can see sometimes in the sky, we're like, man, that, that, that sky was really busy with planes. Let's look at the next one. 
But that, that's a contrail in the making. And what it is, it's the exhaust of the jet engines at high altitude that are freezing. And so it's frozen particles that are in the atmosphere, and we could see where the planes were. And very much like that, our, our lives are leaving a contrail behind. And so the works that we do become super important because the works that we're doing are what we're actually carrying to the next generation. Two months ago, I was, I was just kind of in a spiritual funk on how to minister to my kids because, you know, I've always, like, been able to minister to my kids when they were little, bought the little baby devotional books, and when the kids were little, we did, like, we acted out the devotions, but now they're all adults. I'm like, I was telling Tara, going, how do we, like, pass our adult kids? I've tried, tried to have a couple conversations, and my son kind of pushed back a little bit, and I'm like, man, God, how do I do this? Because I, I don't want to come off like I'm like this pastor dad that's just like, you know, and, and I think I was. I think my kids are like, Dad, you're coming off like you're all Pastor Jim. You're not our dad. I'm like, but I'm both. Come on. But, but I kind of, from their viewpoint, I was like sitting down in a circle going, come here, children. Let me, let me tell you the walk, the walk of God and the works of God. Let's all speak in King James. And they're like, No. But I'm praying, and I'm like, God, I just, I, I want to I wanna learn how to minister better, more effectively to my adult kids. And I, I know I heard God. He said, just share with your kids what I'm doing actively in your life. Share the divine appointments that you've had. Share the way you prayed over somebody at church on Sunday, and they were healed. Share uh, about how you ministered to the waitress at the restaurant, and she broke down in tears, and, and uh just God moved. Just start sharing. And I was like, wow, I mean, that just was right. And I started doing that. It was awesome. But, but when they were little, I, I remember seeing this lived out. Because I, I, I wasn't living my life to, to be showy on purpose. So that like, like, hey, kids, look at me. So, so they'll know how to live their life. Because I learned that as you live your life for God's kingdom, it will just show and I'll never forget, my kids are little, and we were driving to, to Las Vegas, and right in Barstow, we had to get gas, and some dudes rolled up to me, and we're like, hey, man, can you help us with gas? And, and I didn't do this because I'm like, hey, kids, look, learn from dad. I just, no, I want to be present in every situation, and, and when guys come up to me and ask me for something, I just like, this is an opportunity for heaven to come through me, so maybe it's just a prayer for these guys, maybe it's just helping them out, so I went into the little convenience store, I bought them a bunch of food, I put gas in their tank, I've learned not to give cash out, right, um, and, and so I just bought these guys some food, and I filled up their tank, and I said, can I pray with you guys, man? Because I'm doing this because God is in my life and he's changed me. And, and I just want you to experience a little bit of that. And as I went to pray for them, they're like, yes, yes, please pray for me. I just look over at my car. And all my kids, they're just like looking out the window. And they're watching me. And it just was like one of those moments as a dad. I was like, whoa. Like as I live my faith. They're learning by watching me do it. One other time, it's a little bit funnier moment. I was doing my devotions, and very often I'll, I'll like get worship on. And, and when the kids were little, I knew like I had to get up before them and have my devotion time. So I'd put worship on with headphones. And, and a lot of times when I'm like having my devotion, I'll just lay like flat 
uh, on my stomach, and my head will be in the carpet, and I'll even put my hands out, and I'm just getting a hold of God, and he's filling me up. Well, the music is blaring, the worship is loud, and, and I didn't realize this, but my daughter had gotten up, and she had, she had come downstairs, and she saw me. She ran back upstairs and said, Mom, I think Dad is dead. I saw him on the carpet. He's laid out. He's brought out. <laughs> but you know what's an awesome feeling? When your kids catch you doing things that are good. That's sticky faith. And that's the kind of faith, that's, that's the kind of works that we're talking about. And number two, man, I'm almost out of time here. Teach them the word of God. So I, I'm all about like sharing the works of God, but, but there is the importance of the word of God, the Bible, the, the instructions of Jacob, the, the law that God has given us. This is the Bible, and, and there needs to be space where we're teaching the Bible to our kids, the word of God that, that really changes lives. There were some other studies done. Two different ministry organizations got together, and they were trying to put some factors together. Like, what is the number one way to help somebody mature in their faith? And they both came to the same conclusion independently, and that is studying the Bible. The most effective way to move your life forward in your faith is the word of God. And so when you're talking about the next generation, man, giving them the equipment, the resources, the Bibles that they can understand, you know, having a Bible that they can relate to, even when my kids get older, like giving them devotions that they can learn and say, hey, you know, give them as gifts that I wanted my kids to have all the resources they could have so they would always be motivated to open the Bible. Joe got back from camp last year, and there was a guy at Hume that had a Bible, and he's like, Dad, could I get that Bible? It was really interesting. I ordered it on Amazon that day. I'm like, you don't have to ask me twice. That Bible is there in prime in two days, man, and, and it was in his hands. But, but it's not just like reading the Bible. If your kids are little, doing devotions. I loved acting out Bible stories. It was so much fun. I miss those days. If I did it now, it'd be like weird, all right? Um, yeah. But you know what the other thing is? Just bringing them here, bringing them to church, getting them to church, making church a priority. And there's so many things competing for your time, and I get it. I, I raised my son in that space with soccer demands and all of that, missing church services. Uh, my friend Ben and I have some good ideas or I should say he has a good idea. I just want to piggyback off that. It's like with all these traveling sports families, man, we, there, there's opportunity that we can meet families there and the demands that are going on. But, but all that to say is be at church as often as possible so that my wife and my daughter and the Atmosphere Kids team can pour into them. I think it's super important that, that you have them here, or, or Don and Katie being able to pour into them with the youth. And, and please, parents, please, 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 this always bothered me as a youth pastor, is like some of the kids, their only social uh, activity was church. And so a kid would do something bad. And, and this would happen more times than you really be, would believe. But as punishment, the parents would say, you can't go to that church event. 
And I would hear the kids, I'm grounded, I can't, I can't go to the church event. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, come on, mom and dad. Like, there should be no reason why you should keep your kid away from church because you're giving other adults access to your kid that are going to use that event to pour into your kids to help them become one of those five so that their faith becomes even more sticky. But the word of God is super important. Thirdly, is teaching the wisdom of God. And I've got to end here. Teaching the wisdom of God. It, this is about keeping the commandments. This, this is about giving them instructions and saying, look, you, you, God gave us boundaries for a purpose. God gave his commandments because he's saying, if you just live however you want to live, you're going to hurt yourself. And so God would step in sometimes when the children of Israel would do some shenanigans and he would discipline them. And the reason why is because he's, he's saying, I love you. And if you just keep doing whatever you want to do, you're going to hurt yourself. So I'm going to intervene and give you some consequences so that you'll stop hurting yourself. See, as a parent, you are called by God to help be the boundaries for your kids that they don't understand they need for their lives right now. And I know it hurts. It hurts sometimes to have to tell your kid no. But when you tell your kid no as an eight-year-old, you're saving yourself a lot of headache and heartache when they're an 18-year-old. Let me give you this quote. And I know we're out of time. It says, a parent's primary responsibility is not to their child's happiness. It's to his or her character. That is so important. And I know I parented three kids. And I know those moments of discipline, man, it, it really hurts. I won't tell you what kid, but I, I went in and we had to have a come to Jesus meeting, as I like to call it. And, and she got disciplined for doing something. Oh, I said she. It's a 50-50 shot, though. All right, I have two of them. <laughs> but we disciplined. And, and I left the room. And she said, I hate you. She yelled it out. And I'm like, well, I love you. And I shut the door. And I went out there. I got teary-eyed, man. I was like, that hurt. I didn't let her see it, but I got, that hurt. It does hurt. But showing her consequences then is so good. Because eventually, if she's just allowed to live her life, or he's just allowed to live his life the way he wants, this world is going to catch up to them. And they're going to have consequences in their life that may even kill them. So, so just know that God is using you to bring wisdom to your kids. Listen to Proverbs 29, verse 15 from the message. And, and worship team, come on up. It says, wise discipline imparts wisdom. Spoiled adolescents embarrass their parents. <laughs> oh, gosh. Mic drop, man. Isn't that great? Listen, I'm here as your pastor. I, I just I want to love you guys, whether you're a parent or you're just another adult that God is is maybe raising you up to have more of a role in pouring into the next generation, whether you're maybe just in college. Man, God wants to use you to pour into these kids, whether you're you know, in your 80s, and you're like, I'm too old for that. No, you're not. I think of Caleb in the Bible who had 85. He's like, God's not done with me yet. And they were distributing the lands. And Caleb, this older guy, was like, hey, 
can I pick a land? They're like, yeah, you want like Bahamas? You want Hawaii? You want it? It's like somewhere where you can just relax on a hammock? He's like, no, send me where the giants are. Because, man, there's still fire in my belly that I, I, need to, I, I need to do some things before I leave this earth. God wants to raise up a confidence in your life of what he can do and what he wants to do so that you'll pass that confidence on to somebody else. And so this movement of God that began 2,000 years ago with the life of Jesus will continue moving through you. But do you have that confidence in God? That's, that's what we're talking about. Do you have that impressive faith? Because it, I get it. I've made mistakes too. Is that I haven't been perfect as a leader. But you know what? You're here. You're alive. And there's opportunity to change the way you've been living your life. And part of the reason God sent us here to the Conejo Valley is to breathe faith into you and allow you to experience God. So as you're experiencing God, you're going to have the confidence of God in your own life to want to share it with anybody that's willing to listen. And let me tell you something about the next generation. They want to see some adults that are confident that God is greater than their struggle and he is mightier than their problems. Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.